Can you imagine going to a brand and being like, hey, I would like to pay to use your symbol in our movie or even better. Hey, we will show your product by name for free. You don't have to pay us to do advertising and then make a movie shitting on name brands. I think that's hilarious. <laughs> you are about to enter the courtroom of the Honorable Judge Kenny JD. Does she have any movie critic experience? No. Does she have any authority? No, but they gave her a show anyways. The movies are bad. The cases are good. The rulings are final. This is in defense of... Hi! They gave me a show and they gave me a gavel. Oh, fuck. Every time I get surprised. Also... I don't know. I think you can see it really well in today's video, but I've never talked, I haven't talked about this on YouTube yet, but I cracked a two on a piece of overly toast bread. And uh, so that's cute. I'm getting used to it. It was a few weeks ago. I'm giving very like early Cardi B before the money and the veneers. I kind of like it. <laughs> it's kind of like, like I've always had like slightly fucked up teeth. And so I have a receding tooth here. I had a chipped tooth here. It gives me personality. Veneers look like horse teeth. I'm not into it. Um, anyway, hi! No offense to Cardi B. <laughs> hi! <laughs> and welcome to In Defense Of, the show where I, Kenny JD, uh, decide whether or not movies that did poorly in the box office or got bad ratings actually deserved it. Shout out to More Butter for giving me a show. Though I have no qualifications, they gave me a gavel and a lot of authority, so I overly use it. Because it just makes me feel powerful. So last week we talked about Heathers, which for those of you wondering, yes, I have dabbled in the uh, musical now because everybody in the comments was like, you gotta watch the musical, it's amazing, it's iconic. And I am a fan of Candy Store, I gotta say. I haven't finished it yet, but... It'll be a fun time, I'm sure. It's the end of candy store. You're waiting for something, something, something. I am popular. Okay, and today we're talking about another movie that has been coming up in the same like genre I've been kind of inadvertently visiting, which is like uh, unapologetically feminine and campy movies from the early 2000s, late 90s, partially in the 80s, and kind of just revisiting them and giving them, you know, some some credit that they just didn't get in that time period. And one of the ones that came up a lot, especially when I was talking about um, Spice Girls, the Spice World movie, that is Josie and the Pussycats, 2001. I had actually only vaguely remembered this movie coming out, um, and it was not a part of my childhood at all. Um, I read a little bit of Archie comics. I knew vaguely who Josie and the Pussycats was. I didn't watch the cartoon. I don't have the beautiful veil of nostalgia. I try to like preface when I say that. I will say just preamilar, pre, I've been trying to say this word for the last few days and I can't get it out. Pre immolarity, preliminary. That's why I'm trying to put another E in there for some reason. <laughs> Preliminary. There we go, words. Why she say that so sexy? <laughs> preliminary. <laughs> Liminary. She's just saying liminary. Anyway, preemilarity. Preemilar. Pre 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 <laughs> preliminarily. Fuck. Okay. Beforehand, I didn't have any like of the nostalgia. I, I wanted to say that a bit beforehand. Um, so. I'm going in as a new viewer and kind of curious, like what my opinion will be again in 2022, as opposed to the 
2001. This movie is 21 years old, and that's so fucking exhausting to me. <laughs> what I was saying before, before I got tripped up by phonics, um, is that I didn't really have a whole... I wasn't super familiar with, like, the Archie comics and, you know... Josie and the Pussycats and whatnot. But I didn't know they were a band and they dressed really nice and they were wearing a lot of like cheetah print and I was into it at the time. That's about the most I remember from it. I don't remember anything from Archie Comics for that matter either. <laughs> so it's not like I have the the like nostalgia of like, oh my God, this is the movie version of Josie and the Pussycats. Um, it's just a movie to me and it was fun. So that's what we're talking about today. Before we get into that, be sure to like this video, subscribe to more Butter, give us a five-star rating on Spotify or wherever else you listen to podcasts so that we can continue to grow this beautiful community. Um, and thanks you, yay. Oh, also we reached over 20K, right? On more Butter. So thank you everyone for enjoying the channel. And yeah, let's get started on the opening statement. So Josie and the Pussycats is a 2001 American comedy musical fun time. It was co-produced by Universal and MGM. I have a vendetta against MGM because they really refuse to let me have any clips of showgirls in, in my original video that I did on my channel, Kenny JD. So they were like, yeah, this may be shit, but this is our shit <laughs> and we're going to claim it every It doesn't matter that it's fair use does not matter that your face shows like 80% of the video, but fuck that. Showgirls is the hill we're willing to die on. Anyway, um, but I digress. That's my own personal vanetta. Anyway, directed and co-written by Harry L. Ford and Deborah Kaplan. Um, the film is loosely based on the Archie comic series and the Hanna-Barbera cartoon of the same name. Again, I wasn't particularly familiar with the show or the comics but I knew they existed. <laughs> and the film uh, stars Rachel Lee Cook. If you recognize her, she was the girl and she's all that, right? Uh, she, what happened to her? <laughs> she, she was in this and she's all that. What happened to her? Anyway, Tara Reed. And she's another name that I recognize, but I don't know what she was f popular for. Wasn't she in like, um, was she in Scary Movie? Was Tara Reed in Scary Movie? No. She was in American Pie, though, wasn't she? Yeah, she was in American Pie, Sharknado, apparently. <laughs> she was in several Sharknados. Wow, she was in a lot of shitty movies. <laughs> but she out here, she out here definitely acting. So Tara Reid and Rosario Dawson, who was in a bunch of stuff. She was in uh, Daredevil, some other Marvel films, The Defenders, Jessica Jones. The film's production budget was estimated to be between 22 and $39 million. However, at the box office, um, the film only grossed about $14.8 million. So about like half. <laughs> so yes, it was a big domestic box office bomb. It just didn't do well. Again, I vaguely knew this movie existed, but I was also six. So, But I feel like I would have been the prime demographic. I was six years old. I liked girly things and I liked like girl power shit. And uh, I didn't care to see this movie. So. As far as reception, the movie definitely got mixed reviews. Basically a big consensus is that though the subject matter, like Archie comics essentially worked very well in the comic book modality and then maybe worked in cartoons. It just didn't 
translate well to live action film. Roger Ebert gave it a half a star out of four, saying that Jesse and the Pussycats are not dumber than the Spice. Wow. Why did we bring the Spice Girls into this? Again, I'm upset. This feels like misogyny. <laughs> Josie and the Pussycats are not dumber than the Spice Girls, but they're as dumb as the Spice Girls, which is dumb enough. Again, homophobia, misogyny. Spice World is an epic and fuck all of you. <laughs> and apparently he also gave a similar score to Spice World. So again, stop asking straight men for their opinion on all things feminine and campy. Fuck you, Robert. I love how I said that as if I'm an authority. It's like, fuck the guy whose job it is to do this. But seriously, fuck you. Is he dead? Sorry. Yeah, he died. So it's not like he can yell at me. Sorry, sorry. Anyway, the movie achieved, anyway, the movie achieved cult status after that. Um, because again, all things that people want to rag on for being bad end up being why it's good. Because if you actually look at the movie, it's both fun, campy, and like unapologetically feminine, but it's also a movie that has a bit of a satirical look and criticism towards American consumerism and capitalism. And I think, uh, I think the movie just gets better with age perhaps because of that, the more we as a society are a lot more cognizant of how those things work as you know we all kind of know how the machine is run at this point <clears throat> to some degree at least more than we did in 2001. On Rotten Tomatoes it got a 52% both from uh, critics as well as audiences um, and yeah a lot of people just think that it's a live action fluff movie um, and due to that it's rather frivolous which again I think is based in misogyny. <laughs> a big consensus is that though the movie um, criticizes consumerism and, and name brands and stuff like that, it does show an incredible amount of name brands throughout the movie, which I personally think is hilarious. Can you imagine going to a brand and being like, hey, I would like to pay to use your symbol in our movie. Um, would you be okay with that? Or even better, they said, hey, we will show your product by name for free. You don't have to pay us to do advertising. Can we use it in our movie? And then make a movie shitting on name brands. I think that's hilarious. <laughs> I think it's so subversive and funny. Like, and petty. Imagine paying just to do a joke. You're like, I'm irritable enough to pay you, Target. To talk <laughs> I love Target. I'm not, it is what it is. But consumerism is a real bitch. So like, I'm gonna pay you Target so I can show the fucking bullseye in our movie so I can complain about the bullseye. I get it. It's camp. It's a long con. It's funny. <laughs> like We went out of our way to do this joke and I think it's funnier because of that. Why, hello there. Popping in to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by our friends over at Haritos. Haritos Soda, who is quite possibly my favorite soda to ever come in a glass bottle. Haritos Soda comes in 12 flavors, so you're sure to find one that you like. The flavors are Mexican Cola, Grapefruit, Tamarind, Strawberry, Mandarin, Lime, Guava, Pineapple, one of my favorites, Mango, another one of my favorites, Watermelon, Passion Fruit, Fruit Punch, 
and Jamaica, not to be confused with Jamaica. They're made with real sugar, all natural flavors, and are made with no HFCs. As of right now, my favorite flavors keep changing. At first, I was always like a fruit punch, strawberry girl. Now I'm leaning towards mango or pineapple. So if you would like to try every flavor, you can check it out by going to the link in the description box so you can get your personal Jaritos Fiesta pack at Walmart. Big thanks again to Jaritos Soda for sponsoring today's video. So let's talk about the plot a bit. So the movie begins and we meet a boy band. Their name is Dujour, which is funny. They're very like in sync adjacent or backstreet boys adjacent, you know, when we're like in that peak, peak boy band. Well, they do kind of do it still a little bit nowadays, don't they? But, you know, similar boy brand type thing. Um, they have their screaming, adoring fans. They have all their product placements that they endorse and whatever. And basically at the end of a kind of photo shoot or a video shoot or just seeing fans or whatever, they get on their private plane. While there, they're like arguing with themselves. It's so funny. But um, they discover a suspicious backtrack on their music. And at that point, their executive producer, Wyatt Frame, decides that uh, they need to dash. <laughs> like again, zero to 100 real quick. He was like, we're on a private jet. Let's take it down. <laughs> And they just, they, he jumps out with a parachute and was like, well, guess we got to find more pop stars. <laughs> Plane lands in Riverdale. Again, Archie, think of it that way. And basically he begins his search for a new band where he can use his subliminal messaging to get people to be uh, zombies to capitalism. Art in reality. I think it's funny. <laughs> he eventually discovers our pussycats. I was about to call them pussycat dolls. They discover the pussycats and they are a struggling band that's trying to get their name out there. The band consists of Josie, who's the main singer, Melody, who is the drummer. I was about to say drumist. (laughs) And Valerie, who's their bass guitarist or whatever. And when he finds them, he immediately offers them a record deal, and they're flown out to New York to start their new rock star life. And once they get there, Wyatt decides to rename them. They are now Josie and the Pussycats without their permission. This is not something that they were like, yeah, let's do that. Um, And it seems like from the beginning that there's going to be some strife between Valerie and Josie because Valerie slowly feels like Josie is maybe you know, feeling the fame because she's the head singer and therefore the face of the group. Josie ends up being like all over blimps and, you know, advertisements outside of Times Square and on Coca-Cola cans. And, you know, she's kind of everywhere and this jealousy starts to fester between them. But before we get into that whole strife, we also have to meet um, Mega Records CEO, who is Fiona, she, who is apparently not Gina Gershon. I thought that was Gina Gershon. It is not. It's actually Parker Posey. I just, I just looked at her teeth and <laughs> thought that was Gina Gershon. Again, going back to showgirls, but um, no, maybe they're related. She runs this company and also she kind of talks to people who come in as investors for the company and government representatives. And she basically says, we are building a subliminal machine to make people brainwashed into buying our product. (laughs) And any musician who discovers the hitting message in the music 
ultimately disappear and um, go missing and most likely die. Drug overdoses, plane crashes, uh, similar disasters, they all go missing. So Josie and the Pussycats released their first single. um, And due to the underlying subliminal messaging that nobody else can hear directly, except for the people that put in in there on purpose, it becomes successful automatically. Everyone's like, I'm a Josie and the Pussycats fan. I got the little ears. I want to buy all the stuff. I want to buy anything with Josie on it. That's everyone's going to come to their concert. That's going to be like in one week after they just came out with a song. We're selling out a stadium already. Subliminal messaging works, people. Again, along the way, Valerie ends up getting a little resentful of Josie and all the attention that she's getting through the band. Um, It seems like she's taking a lot of credit for what they all contribute to. And Melody, who is different, um, (laughs) she's kind of like the dumb blonde of the movie or whatever. She even to some degree is kind of like, what's going on? And Fiona is like, okay, they need to die. They think in too much and they're just back up anyway. They don't sing. So let's get rid of them. Um, so they send them on a fake appearance to TRL. Remember TRL? <laughs> and where they're nearly killed by Carson Daly and a black dude who likes to call himself Carson Daly <laughs> and does various other impressions. But because they're uh, vastly incompetent, they weren't able to do that and they're able to get away. But while they were gone, Wyatt gave Josie a copy of their new single, which has the subliminal messaging in it. And within the subliminal messaging, it basically tells Josie, you're better than them backup bitches. They're holding you down. You are the star here. Start acting like it. Forget them. They're trash. So when they come back, they're like, Carson Daly just tried to kill us. She's like, whatever. You guys are just backups anyway, which caused them to fight. And again, Valerie was already kind of feeling like there was something going on there with Josie, even though there wasn't before the subliminal messaging, but she's like, I knew it. I knew you were selfish, blah, blah, blah. And they run out. But after fighting, Josie ends up realizing that the song caused the fight. And so she becomes suspicious and ends up checking the underlying layers of the song and finds the subliminal audio track. But Fiona catches her. So the concert that uh, the Pussycat, I was about to call them the Pussycat Dolls again. The concert that Josie and the Pussycats are going to do is actually a pay-per-view streamed online concert that you can only listen to if you buy specific cat headphones. Um, And of course, this is going to release a wide release subliminal message to buy all their albums and buy all the shit. Now they plan to have Josie perform by herself, right? She insists on having her bandmates with her, but they're like, oh, we can get rid of you guys in a stage car crash. Won't nobody see nothing happening. But guess who appears the last minute to save the day? Du jour. (laughs) And though they are badly injured, having survived the plane crash that landed in a Metallica concert, they were able to survive after being uh, beaten up by metalheads (laughs) at the show. So a big old fight breaks out, as you can imagine, um, During the tussle, Fiona accidentally destroys the machine used to generate the subliminal messages, revealing that the deepest subliminal message is that Fiona will be universally popular. Come to find out, this whole thing is, again, a very long con to to allow Fiona to be rich and popular because she was a nerd in school with messed up teeth and a lisp. 
Wyatt then realized that Fiona was a girl that he went to high school with and uh, he was also bullied for being albino. So the two immediately bond and the government agents come in to take Fiona in, but the conspiracy is already exposed. So they take them all in to cover up their scheme (laughs) of subliminal messaging and ultimately get rid of the idea of spreading subliminal messaging through music, revealing that movies are much more useful. (laughs) And lastly, they finally perform a concert together, this time without brainwashing to just see who actually likes the music. Also, there I, I didn't even mention this because it who cares, but there's of course a love interest. They always have a love interest. And his name is Alan or something. And he is somehow able to be heard over the hundreds of thousands of people in the stage screaming, I love you. And then they um they kiss on stage and start dating, I guess, after that. And that that's that's the movie. <laughs> So, defense. I really like this movie. I think it's funny. I think, again, it's vastly and unapologetically feminine, which is always something that I'm going to applaud. I feel like movies from this time... I I was thinking about this. Why there is so much, like, vitriol towards movies that are so um, unapologetically feminine. And I think... It's coming from two places. One, misogyny, because people don't like feminine things for some reason. They think of it as frivolous and fluffy and has no weight or bearing or no seriousness. Um, As if you can't make a serious point in a non-serious way, even if that were the case. But I do think, as I kind of recall kind of this time period and feminism and kind of how we talked about, I know this is not where we expected to go with this conversation, but when you think about it in like the early 2000s, we don't have social media. We don't have like this very broad kind of way to represent femininity and women in general. And so to show something that's kind of fluffy and airy and kind of airheaded and funny to be unapologetically feminine felt like backtracking from the advances of feminism, right? It's like, do we, do women have to be dumb blondes and superficial and like fashion and blah, blah, blah. There's no representation for the complexities of women, right? And so when you get left with Catwoman or you get left with Jennifer's body or you get left with Josie and the Pussy's Cats, these movies that are very unabashedly feminine, it seems like um, kind of crossing a picket line, if that feels any way indicative. And that's something I've been thinking about. And so like, yeah, I get why you were upset about it in 2001. But now I kind of feel like I think we have made so many advances in how we can show women on stage that we don't have to feel guilty for being feminine. Like I want to be fashion and I want to be unabashedly feminine. I deserve the right to do that. And and just because I feel like I have to like represent all of women because of, you know, marginalization doesn't mean I can't like pretty things and frivolous things if that is also along the way. Like fuck you. I like I can do all of these things. I can be airy and feminine and also serious and intelligent. So fuck out of here. <laughs> As a movie goes, I think it's incredibly funny. Like again, I find the whole like unabashed product placement so funny. And again, such of a like a F you. It's like it doesn't matter what money we gave, we're doing this specifically to make a movie to make fun of consumerism. And you could call that hypocritical. I call it using uh using 
the tools allotted to say something else, if that makes sense. With that being said, some things didn't age well, mainly fat phobia. It was 2001. It doesn't surprise me. Um, But uh, yeah, but other than that, it's like, it's a fun movie and it's a good time and it's innocent. I said what I said. I did what I did. I said what I said. I say it again. This movie's cute. Um, I think it's something that I don't think I will watch over and over and over again as far as, but I think it's, I think it was a fun movie to watch. And if you do like it, I get it. Um, so yeah, watch the movie if you've never seen it. I think it's fun. But uh, yeah, so that's all for today. If you liked the video, be sure to like it. And if you have any opinions or experiences, if you have any history with this movie in particular, I'd love to hear what it is. So you can put that down in the comment section, jury. And uh, also, again, feel free to like uh, More Butter. We're all over the place. Twitter and no. Do we have an Instagram? We have a TikTok, yeah? I don't know. We have places. It's More Butter. If you want to find me particularly, I'm Kenny JD. You can find me on social media under Kenny JD. Yes. Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. I am out here. And uh, we'll see you guys next time. Peace.